Just a friendly reminder that the opinions expressed on this show are not worth a Canadian penny, so disregard anything you hear that might get anyone in trouble. And despite some of the great ideas you may hear, don't try them at home. Go to friend's house instead. I'm a guest. It's funnier. The this guest way. cannot be the lead host. Yes, yes, he can. The, the guest cannot start saying hello and welcome to Slamfire Radio episode one one five. For I'm June tenth. Your... Yes, for June tenth of twenty fifteen. Really excellent. You must have a calendar, uh, or it's written down in front of me. One or the other. So, so you you don't sound like Trevor at all. I do, thank you for noticing. So I'm you're not, not Trevor. I'm not. Oh. Oh wait, the show started. Yeah, this is it. Oh, well, okay, welcome great. to episode 150. I'm Owen. And I'm Matthew. And, and Brian Bolivar, <laughs> has, has the conquistador, if you will, has yes. joined us in Trevor's absence, the Ferlate, because it, he's, he's, doing, he's got a good excuse. He's, he's building stuff on the range. Yes, but I didn't sign up to be Shanghai to be lead host. It's too late. It was Trevor's <laughs> turn to be lead. You're replacing Trevor. Now you're lead. Can, but can I really replace Trevor in any way, shape, or form? Can anyone really replace Trevor? Well, I I have a, a a rock that has been for a while. Oh, that's neat. <laughs> you stop picking on Trevor. He's, He's not here. Nice. He's not He's here. A... So under the bus. Oh, you're right. Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. Oh, under the bus. <laughs> Trevor, you may as, you may as well just pitch a tent under that bus. You're going to be under the bus for the entire show. <laughs> Stay there. So why don't we uh, why don't we kick off with what we've done in guns? And since you are the lead host and the guest, Brian, why don't you start us off? Uh, let's see. What did I do in guns? Uh, I was at, uh, I did a thing on Saturday with some friends, uh, an IDPA mini match. Yes, that's right. We should talk about that a little bit. Uh, that was with Tom Nelson. We did. Uh, the para handgun course with him this weekend or last weekend and actually our main topic is tom with the rest of the students um sitting down and chatting after the after the class so that the class will come up and we can talk about that but we recorded that friday night and then saturday we went back to the range and did a whole bunch more shooting so i guess during now i guess we can talk about saturday a little bit yes we should do it in reverse order why not because yeah people can like rewind and fast forward if they want it'll be like watching pulp fiction Okay, fair enough. <laughs> not so the, yes, not that the IDPA mini match was like Pulp Fiction. No, just this episode is where it's not in the correct order. Okay, now I understand. See, yeah, yeah. the Pulp Fiction fans will have gotten that one right off the bat. Fair enough. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, the the match. How how did you enjoy the match? It was IDPA. That was my first official IDPA match. So I I, I think it was probably yours too. Brian? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. And I liked it way more than I expected to. I am uh, in the same boat as you. Yes. Um, I, uh, I, just from doing three gun events that, strangely, I, I, I feel the need to drive 15 hours in order to do these types of events. <laughs> I can't do them in Ontario. No, 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 no. You've got to come here to do it. Yeah. Um, but the, the three gun thing, which is very much like Ipsig, I'm not such a big fan of, but the IDPA thing, eh, 
it, it worked me uh, quite a bit better. So, uh, Well, there were two I, things that I really liked about it. One was it really forces you to focus on accuracy instead of speed. Now, speed exactly. is still an important, very important part of the game. But in Ipsic, it seems to be that speed tends to trump accuracy. Mm-hmm. Whereas in IDPA, if you're not shooting your alphas, you're losing very quickly. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, the, the emphasis does switch to being accurate quickly instead of being quick. Right. And, I mean, you do still need uh, to be accurate in, in, in Ipsic, but mm-hmm. it just yeah. doesn't seem to be as important. No. Um, I, I shot the SNB 250, and, and I shot well over 200 of the possible 250 alphas that were available in that match. I think I shot somewhere around 220 alphas in that match, and I still came in fourth. And the guys that beat me didn't shoot any more alphas than I did. They just went way, way faster. Mm-hmm. So yep. they were shooting less alphas but getting way more speed, and it tended to favor them because they were a lot faster on the trigger and a lot faster on their feet. So it, it was just interesting to I, see that. Go ahead. I, I remember listening to a podcast a few years ago with uh, an American, I think maybe USPSA shooter or something like that, and he analyzed his results, and he said, I had too many alphas. I wasn't going fast enough. Yeah, you know, and that, that should not be a sentence that you hear. No, just seems wrong to me. Yeah, and, and, and IDPA tended to really make you focus. And the other thing I really enjoy about IDPA, simple scoring. It, mm-hmm. it's very, it's, it's, all it is is your time, and every time that you don't hit the alpha, you lose a half second, basically, or, or a second, or, you know, depending on how badly you miss. You just lose yeah. time. They, they add time to your, to your score. And so all you got to do is see how fast your run is, and then you can just look at the next guy and you can instantly compare yourself and say, ooh, I got to step it up for the next stage or meh, I'm doing good. Yeah, and it's it's nice too that you get a score that is your score, your, your basically your time, whereas in ID, uh, ID uh, uh, Ipsic, everything is a percentage ratio of what the best guy did. That's right, yeah. Which... It's like grading on a bell. Compare yourself to other people. Yeah. It, a bit, yeah. It's just kind of. I, I like the fact. Okay, my time is my time. That's what it, I did. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I did really enjoy it. Now, do um, they do they have like different divisions in IDPA, like in IPSC, or is it pretty much just straight production style guns? They do have divisions, and I am sorry, I can't tell you what they are. It's like stock service pistol, enhanced service pistol, okay. something, something, something. The Saturday, everybody just kind of shot in the same. Uh, we had most everybody was in stock service, and we had two or three in enhanced. And I think the difference is something I don't know what the difference is. You have to ask. Uh, yeah, basically, I think they've they've added some parts to their gun. So something like, kind of like the difference between production and standard. Yeah, and that uh, they yeah. yeah they don't really have an open class in IDPA where you no. can put on the, all the bells and whistles, lights and lasers and missiles and rocket launchers. It's just, you know, it, most, of, most of what you shoot, as I understand it, is very close to production-style guns, like duty, duty firearms. And that, you know, it seems to be a little closer to replicating real life and being a bit more geared to helping law enforcement and military actually train. Yeah. Now, now, Matt, I know one thing that we have criticized IDPA for over uh, IPSC is the fact that it the, the stages tell you how to shoot it, how you That's have right. to shoot it, and how did you find that? You and I both go, no, we want to shoot it however we want to shoot it. Yeah, <laughs> you know, well, how did you find that? It was it was interesting. I didn't find it as constricting as I thought it would because you shoot it in a very logical manner. 
the way that you shoot the course of fire is you have to shoot the targets as they are presented to you. So you're not allowed to run past a target and you have to shoot the targets. Like if you're coming around the corner, mm. you're, you, you, the other thing we'll talk about in a second is you have to stay behind cover. As you come around a corner behind cover, you have to shoot the target that you see first. You can't skip it and shoot left to right if you're coming around the corner in the right-hand direction, right? You have to shoot the left one and move yourself over, and, and that way you're never exposing your body to a target, which is, you know, uh, being portrayed as a bad guy here. So it, uh, I, I didn't find it very constricting because it's the way I would have shot it sure. in real life anyway. You would always mm. want to shoot the people that you see first, <laughs> mm. unless they're good guys, of course. But we didn't have any penalty targets. Uh, we did have a couple penalty targets, I guess. Mm-hmm. But uh, for the most part, it was just it was just straight bad guys, and by bad guys, I mean targets. <laughs> bad targets so, is what you mean to say. Yes. Bad targets, yes, <laughs> yes. Bad, so yeah, bad I, I touched on cover there just a second ago. It was interesting. The the rule is you have to have one hundred percent of your lower body and fifty <clears> percent <throat> of your upper body behind cover at all times until you neutralize a target. So you're not allowed to show any more than one quarter of your or half of your upper body, which is one quarter of your full body, I suppose, to any target that has not yet been neutralized. So it was really weird. And you should see, we have some video, you should see some of the awkward positions that people had to get themselves <laughs> into in order to actually shoot these targets properly. And, and you would hear Tom yell, cover. And if the, the SO, the safety officer, calls cover before you pull the trigger, you don't get a penalty. You're only allowed to shoot, though, from cover. So if you run out too far and he yells cover, you're allowed to shuffle back shoot the target from cover, and then advance. But if you do pull the trigger before you pull your foot back in or, or you get your body back behind cover, you get a penalty, which I think is three seconds. So it's really yeah. important and, that you shoot from behind cover. And and it's on you. If if the SO calls cover right after you break the shot, it's still on you. It's, it's still not, your fault. Yep. It's not the SO's job to call that before you squeeze a shot off. No, and he doesn't have to. Uh, Tom nope. was saying it's not, the, it's not the SO's. It's just a courtesy call. Like cover, yeah. you know, get 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 back. You're going to get a penalty, and you know, yeah. uh, some SOs might be nicer than others, but uh, I guess that's just the luck of the draw. Whenever you go up yeah. to the to the stage and get ready to shoot, you, you definitely and you talked about this. You know, some of the shooting positions you got into. There was a lot of shooting with the gun sideways because you're bending at the waist to just to keep your feet behind cover. So you have to kind of twist yourself, and, and naturally the gun tends to tilt over. So that was kind of interesting. It, I don't spend a lot of time doing that. No, uh, I remember the what the the maze stage. You ended up. Uh, it was a it was a pretty long stage. It wasn't very many targets, but there was a lot of running, and you you were forced to shoot the entire stage with your left hand. And I remember with the very first target, you come around, and for for you, Brian, it would have been perfect because the gun was already in your right hand. But for anybody who's right-handed and the gun was in their left hand, it was the most awkward shot to pull mm-hmm. off while staying behind cover. Yeah, yeah, no, it's uh, yeah, it kind of blew that way. Yeah, but it was an interesting challenge. To, Absolutely, to that, so, and yeah. I particularly liked it because I beat Trevor. <laughs> yeah, in the it's yes, in the match portion, you did. In yeah. the match portion, yeah, I beat Trevor. I mean, there are other parts of of the. I mean, we had the classifiers. Classifiers were a second thing, and uh, I'm sure Trevor would want to come on next week and tell you all about it. But I'm going to take that away from him, you know, <laughs> like like a jerk. And tell you that he did really well on that, and, and we're going to talk about it now, so he can't talk about it next week. I, I support that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Preemptive strike. <laughs> That's right. So, so after the match, um, we Tom had set up the IDPA classifier, and in I, in Ipsic, there's a bunch of different classifier stages. Well, in IDPA, there's just one. Well, there's three, I guess. 
And it's the same around the world. So you can set this up anywhere you want. And as long as you have an, uh, an IDPA safety officer with you, or if you are an IDPA safety officer, you can shoot the classifier whenever you want, submit your scores, and are instantly classified. Mm-hmm. So it was really neat. Um, Trevor actually, on his very first try, shot expert. He did an amazing job on the classifiers. He kicked my butt. I scored, he scored 98. I scored 129. So he kicked my butt by over 30. So he, uh, he did really, really well. Um, Tom kicked all of our butts. He, Tom, Tom beat us in everything that we did over the weekend. I mean, he is an IDPA master class shooter, so we kind of expected that. But amongst the, Amer- or the, the Canadians, once, once we get the American out of the picture, one, among the Canadians, Trevor did really, really well all weekend, you know, except for the match, the part where I beat him <laughs> by 11 seconds. So I could have just stood around for 11 you, seconds and done nothing and still won. Do you think he just struggled putting Ipsic away? Just because that, that's so much his game that he really struggled to... Was, it, was it the change in rule set that, that messed him up? Or was I the fact think, that he was trying to go so fast that messed him up? I don't... See, I think what it was that really got him was our very first stage. And mm-hmm. to shoot from cover, um, he got himself into a really awkward position that chewed up the clock. And that was it. He actually, he shot just as good. He shot as many, you know, uh, zero downs uh, or alphas as, as anybody else did. I mean, he shot very, very well, very quickly. It was just that one stage. And I think what happened was in Ipsic, you try to find one position where you can shoot as many targets as you can without moving because that's the faster way to do it. Mm-hmm. Well, he just couldn't get to the port the way he thought he was going to, I think. I'm analyzing this for him. Sure, he may come sure. on next week and tell me that I'm a complete idiot and have no idea what I'm talking about. But well, to me, he'll probably regardless. Explain. Yeah, he's going to yeah. do that regardless. He'll yeah. probably <laughs> <laughs> to, to me, it seemed like he tried, he tried to stay in one position and shoot multiple targets from one position, and it didn't work out for him, where everybody okay. else just kind of shuffled their feet over, took up some time, but it was smoother and it was less, less gangly than, than him doing his little teapot impression trying to shoot the targets off one foot. So anyway, I think that's what it was. I mean, Trevor is, I mean, when it comes to shooting handguns, oh yeah, I think Trevor's a superior shot out of pretty much everybody on oh, the yeah. show right now. Yes. <laughs> and I have oh, no yeah. problem admitting that, which is why I'm really happy to say that I did beat him for once in something. <laughs> Yeah, I think you should say it a few more times just to you know to make sure. Did I mention that I beat Trevor by eleven seconds in the IDPA match? (laughs) And 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 you did that while classifying as a sharpshooter versus his expert. Yeah, he did beat me an expert. Now the day before we we shot the class, there was like a class drill last year. We did a know your limits, and this year Tom showed us a find your limits drill. And Trevor did beat me by one point, and so he's very happy about that too. I just wish that I hadn't been the first shooter on the last the last stage or else I would have beat him at that too because I dropped two shots out of 30 and uh, and he didn't drop any. See, see what, the, what the drill was, and Brian, you remember this, you had 20 seconds to shoot 30 rounds. And it was easy. Yes, you had it. Yeah, it, it was easy. I just, the timer went beep and I pulled out my Ipsic personality persona and just went and in 12 seconds i shot all 30 rounds and i only missed two times right that's pretty good so i think i did really well trevor of course took the uh seven seven yards so 21 feet yeah trevor took you know the full 20 seconds as he had and it is exactly how he was supposed to and he shot every shot and and didn't miss any so he he did he felt by the rules he was better you know he beat me 
but I still say if I had gone, you know, second or third and realized that I had all those 20 seconds, I wouldn't have dropped those two. And I would have beat him at that too. But, but I don't want to take anything away from him, but I do. So I'm going to continue to say it. Well, no, because you, you, what you've done and said, you screwed up yeah. and you explained how you screwed up and how Trevor didn't screw up. So That's thus right. Trevor won. Trevor did That's- win. Yes. And, and I don't want to take anything. Well, I do, but I'm not going to. But, but I you, you can. You just want to say, I screwed not, this up. And we're not competitive on this show at all. Trevor, not at all. <laughs> not, not, not much. No. The daggers that were in your eyes when you saw this, the final score on that. Oh, my. One bloody point he beat me yep. by. And I, oh. Uh, anyway, whatever. It is what it is. It was fun. It was a really, really good weekend. Saturday was great. The match was great. Did I mention I beat Trevor in the match? The classifiers were awesome. And then we did some rifle shooting afterwards, too, which was fun. It, mo- it was mostly fun until I broke Filthy's l- rifle. You broke his rifle? I wasn't there for that. What happened? Oh, I was shooting his little PDW. Mm-hmm. And I, I ran most of a mag through it, like 10 rounds, and it was it was fine. But the last one I had to eject out. I didn't really pay much attention. Okay, it, it jammed up, and then it wouldn't feed rounds at all. Every time I tried to strip a round off a, a mag, it would just shove the bullet back into the case, like completely back into the case. And that's not a feature, as I understand it. <laughs> no, it's not a feature. So, yeah, something had gone wrong. He's got it fixed since. He just messaged me tonight. But, yeah, oh, I, uh, I essentially broke his uh, rifle. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's that auto-compressed load feature. Yes, and, yes and, auto-compressed. <laughs> yeah. For when you yeah, need that no. extra oomph to get that bullet out. <laughs> and well, and you know, honestly, luckily the the thing wouldn't go into battery, so it wouldn't fire right. in that condition. Otherwise, that would, just, that would be an interesting situation there. That would be all. Well, you know what? The bullet went so far in the case that it was it was completely free inside the case. So I'm so sure the you, powder just would have burned and went around it. Yeah, probably. Yeah, wouldn't have actually caused a problem, but anyway, it was a mess. And and I was all set to shoot Trevor's Garand. Um, he brought it to the range, and I bought ammunition for it. Brought it all the way from Ontario. The Garand needs something else to work. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't yeah. bring any clips. Oh. <laughs> it's, it's just like he's like look, putting it right under my nose. Here you go, Brian. You can use it. You can, oh, no. Oh, sorry. Too bad for you. <laughs> well, uh. you left his ammo for him. I would have yes, well. I would have brought it home with me and said, screw you. I'm going to let this <laughs> rust in the basement just so you can't shoot it. Honestly, I, I gave it to make him feel bad. Here you go, Trevor. You may as well just take my ammo because I can't use it. Okay, no use. I bought this special just to shoot your rifle, and now I can't because you couldn't be bothered to bring a 50-cent unblock clip with you. He's bugger. And it was funny because he did feel bad about it because he mentioned it to me a couple of times. He said, oh, I yes. feel so bad about forgetting those clips. I'm like, yeah, you should, you jerk. <laughs> now – now, if I wasn't as forgetful as that, I would I would have been upset. But I'm like, yeah, that sounds legit. That sounds like something I would do. So, yeah, yeah no big deal. Yeah, I I have shot a Garand before. Well, that's so. good. Garands sh- are pretty I- cool. I, I've shot Trevor's. It was neat. I liked it. Yep. I don't want nice, one. It's a nice it's trigger. Oh yes, it's it really does. Trigger. Yeah, I was impressed. Yep. And it's amazing how little it recoils too. Yeah. For thirty yacht six. Yep. So yeah, it was cool. Yep. What did you do? Anything else, Owen? Did you do anything at all, Owen? I, I didn't. I thought we were still talking about Brian. Oh, I just <laughs> yeah, That to... was the most awkward transition ever. I wanted to cut him off. Yeah, you did. No. You haven't hung up on me yet. <laughs> that can be arranged. Uh, no, I didn't do anything this week, so. Oh, okay. I just wanted to make sure you, you got a chance to talk, because yeah. I did some more stuff. Okay, go ahead. Did you do anything else, Brian? Um, 
I don't think so because we we left Friday night or Saturday night around ten o'clock and drove straight home and got home by one oh. one in the afternoon, yeah. and. I strangely enough, I didn't have the urge to go to the range or to do anything <laughs> other than close my eyes and sleep. After a weekend like that, though, really, yeah, it was a lot of shooting. And it was a lot of fun too. Um, I took the uh, the BRS ninety nine, or also known as the Canadian Uzi, <laughs> um, back out this week and got some footage of uh, of me shooting it. And I did a bit of a, a video review, which is posted on our the Slam Firewall the Facebook page. So if you guys want to check that out, you can. So that, that was fun. And, uh, I did that and I, I've done some more shooting and I'm working on another video review of my, uh, Savage Mark II FVSR. So I've got some more footage of that. I'm still working on that video. It's not out yet, but that is something that's in the works. Um, I was out with my warrior. That's that little 20 gauge, the, the one that I shot the, the groundhog in the face with the baby groundhog, the cute one. <laughs> so, so I had that one out, and um, I've been practicing with the 22 insert. And so I went to, to my favorite gravel pit, which has um, it, it allows me to shoot out to almost 200 yards uh, in, one, in one of my favorite spots. And I was not nearly as accurate with it as I was with, you know, one of my Marlins, obviously. Mm-hmm. But I was hitting within 6 to 10 feet of whatever I aimed at over 200 yards with it. That's with the little insert. That little insert. That's crazy. So the the really tricky part, I find that it's accurate enough. What I can't get on it is a really good sight picture because I've got a big brass bead on the front and I got nothing else to line it up with in the back. Mm-hmm. So my challenge is just simply finding some sort of consistency. So I think I may even put a scratch or a notch or something in the rear receiver somewhere that I can use as a reference point to line up every time because I found if I focused really, really hard and, and got a consistent sight picture, I could put that bullet pretty close to where I wanted it, even over 200 yards. Well, so, Matt, Matt, why don't you get one of the magnetic rear turkey sights? Oh, that might work. Mm-hmm. I should try something like that. Good idea, yeah. Bolivar. Thank you. Because then you're just converting it into rifles, like open rifle yeah, yeah, sights, yeah. right? Yeah. That and then I can just pop the them off. Yeah, I can just pop them off whenever I'm using it as a shotgun and stick them on. I'm using it as a 22. Yeah. Or you may find with the shotgun, they don't really get in the way. Yeah. If well, that's what I. F- you may be able to focus on your bead enough that it yeah. doesn't matter. Well, that's what I find most of the time with the shotgun anyway. I'm looking at my target. I'm not looking at the gun anyway. So it's just instinctive mm-hmm. point shooting at that at that distance. So, yeah, I'll give that a try. Anyway, that was a lot of fun too. And, and while I was out, I went uh, I went four wheeling as well. And for the first time, I saw baby grouse. I've never <laughs> seen baby grouse before. Really? I was going down the trail, and I saw this grouse <clears throat> sitting in the middle of the trail, which is not abnormal. They are pretty dumb. So I rode up to it and slowed down and stopped. And it hopped down into a ditch and started climbing up the other side. And then like six little baby grouse started chasing after. I'm like, oh, isn't that the cutest thing? Grouse bits. <laughs> I, th- I figured they would have been really tasty if they would have been in season. Now, but did they did they know that they were gross, or did they think they were partridge? They they might have thought they were partridge, but they were definitely gross. Okay. They were little baby rough grouse. Oh, they were so cute. I wanted to take one home with me, and I could have easily caught them because they're even dumber at that age than they are when they're older. <laughs> so they were just kind of wandering around. But yeah, it was cool. I've never ever seen baby gross before, so it was a real treat for me to see that today, just to kind of. To see them, and, and I guess that's how big they get at this time of the year. So it was kind of neat. I think I've only seen that once. I think it was on the side of the road. I was driving somewhere, and I saw. Yeah. 
some similar thing. Yeah, just that's once. cool. Yeah, no, I, I've been. Uh, yeah, it's it's it's. Just, I just like seeing little baby animals out in the woods, and as oh, long yeah. as they're as long as they're not on the varmint list, I won't shoot them in the face with my shotgun. That's that's my rule. But uh, you know, if they're on the varmint list, sorry. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so, I I always look at that when in the spring, and you see you know geese with some goslings or something like that. And I'm like, see you in the fall. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I was um, when I was at the gravel pit. There's a big pond there, and I did see uh, a duck with some some ducklings, mm-hmm. and that was neat too. I didn't know ducklings would dive like a, an adult duck will, and they they were diving down to the bottom of the pond and grabbing I don't know insects or vegetation or something and popping back, and they'd pop right cool. back up. You know how you'll take like a, a pool noodle and pull it yep. out of the pool and let go, and it kind of pops up and kind of almost launches in the air. <laughs> That's yeah. what they were doing when they came back up because they're so awesome. light, right? Boom! <laughs> <laughs> so, so that was kind of neat to see too. Mm-hmm. But anyway, that's that pretty that's pretty much all I did. So um, good. I, well, I guess I, we got to move on to the news now. Uh, news or upcoming events? Oh, we could do upcoming events first since it's next on the list. Yeah, we, why don't we do upcoming events? Why don't you take that? Soon? See, this is why I can't be lead host. I don't even have the show notes. <laughs> you don't need the show notes. It's okay. All right. Carbine Vitals 2 Clinic, September 4th and 5th. 5th? 5th? There are fifth, still... Yes. Uh, this is, see, this... Mom always said, you should look at the words ahead of what you're reading. <laughs> no, Mom, you shouldn't, because then you get words like 5th. 5th. That's a word, sort of. <laughs> I'm looking at still spaces. There are still spaces available to sign up uh, you can email us and at slamfireradio at gmail.com and we will tell you how to sign up after taking the handgun course that we just took last weekend I am stoked for this rifle clinic I cannot wait for for Daniel to get here and to teach us some more stuff and to get back out in the range and and learn to drive that gun so anybody out there who who wants to learn to drive their rifle sign up this is going to be great yep absolutely and just just to just as a listener, can I just add, it it is the fourth, fifth, so the Friday, Saturday. As I understand it, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yes, we know you didn't think it was Friday, Saturday for the handgun course. You thought it was Saturday, Sunday. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have a conversation with Tommy on our own on Modern Rifleman Radio and realized that I had got the dates wrong. No, I didn't do that at all. <laughs> no, the September fourth and fifth is a Friday, Saturday. So. Okay. As long as everybody understands it's Friday and Saturday, not Saturday and Sunday, we're all good. Yeah, I'm just thinking, because most people would, would, would assume it's Saturday, Sunday. Right. So it's probably good to specify that Friday and Saturday. Friday and Saturday. Mm-hmm. Now, people might just be smarter than me and look at a calendar. That's that's a possibility. That people are smarter than me? Yep. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Uh, we also have SummerSlam, which is... Uh, August 8th and 9th. Um, the registration is open on the Restigouche Gun Club website. And our final, it's not really an upcoming event, but I'm going to, we're going to stick it in here. Um, the Woodstock Pistol and Rifle Club raffle. That is the local club to me. Um, little background this past week, we had a special meeting and uh, construction, range construction was approved to change our range around from what is essentially now a single user range where we have two two separate backstops but they have to be used one at a time you can't use both of them at the same time and we are going we don't have any handgun bays or any of that so um it's been approved to take out one of the one of those backstops and sort of combine the rifle to one side and put in 
a long dividing backstop and place our a bunch of handgun bays, just a couple to start, and then we'll build you know build more as as we go. But of course, that's an expensive proposition to hire a contractor to come in and do all that work. So um, we need money. But one of the things that the club does to raise money is they do a raffle every year, and they have sponsors that donate prizes and things like that. And so I said, told them I would promote this uh, on the on the show. So if people, any of the listeners, are interested in getting in on the raffle, they can can do so and help support the club. Um, some of the prizes, there's 18 different prizes. I don't know about how we can get these prizes out to people. I guess if they were to email WPRC2005 at gmail.com. That is the club email address, WPRC, Woodstock Pistol Rifle Club, 2005 at gmail.com. And whoever responds to that could send them a you know a list of of the prizes, but there are things like a Ruger 1022. Um, there are some gift certificates. There's a shotgun. There's some shooting glasses. There's some things that would be more local stuff, which wouldn't really be be handy for for people outside the area. Unfortunately, there's a Savage rifle package, um, Slipstream, uh, uh, like a motorcycle helmet. Like there's just all there's all kinds of different stuff on here. So. Um, if you want to support the club, it's ten dollars a ticket, and uh, all the proceeds go to the the range enhancements. Uh, our draw is October seventeenth. That should be mentioned. So, cool. Anyway, yeah. Well, hopefully, some listeners take advantage of that, and maybe some of them will win too. And if you just want to send us a big check to to, to finance the whole thing, that's fine too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> and it's got to be a big check though, not just like a regular size check. But it's got to be huge. Yes. Yes. That's right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, great. And just small checks. A bunch Did you accept of, yeah. that as well? Yeah. A bunch of small ones. Yep, we'll do that. Excellent. Okay. Cool. Well, I guess we can move on to some news then. And uh, this one was sent in to us by Jason Philp. And uh, this one's titled, Seattle Considers $25 Gun Violence Tax on All Firearms Sales. So I had to look around first to make sure that this wasn't like a joke, like on the manatee or something like that. But no, apparently it's real. The Seattle City Council is considering a new tax on gun sellers to collect money for gun violence prevention and research on how to reduce the impact of gun violence on the city and its residents. Under the proposal, guns and ammunition sellers would be charged $25 for every firearm sold in Seattle and $0.05 for every round of ammunition sold. City officials estimate that the new tax would collect between three hundred and five hundred thousand dollars a year. City Council President Tim Burgess has also proposed that the new law uh, would require mandatory reporting of lost or stolen firearms to the Seattle Police Department. Both proposals were scheduled to be discussed by Council's Education and Governance Committee on July fifteenth. Wow, yeah, that's a great idea. Let's put a tax on gun sales and ammo sales to research how to get rid of gun violence. That's that's not going to do anything. Well, but but Matt, when all the gangbangers uh, have to pay that tax, I think I think their estimates low. I think they're going to get millions because the gangbangers are going to be paying that that tax. Yeah, because gangbangers with the guns that they steal and. <laughs> import from other jurisdictions and and such. Yeah, I was just gonna say because gangbangers definitely buy their guns at the gun store. Oh yeah, that's like putting that's like putting taxes on cigarettes to like 
it, it, it doesn't t- it doesn't do anything. It doesn't stop people from smoking. Like they say, oh, we'll put a tax on it to make it more expensive so people won't smoke. And that's sort of the same idea they're trying to do here. I can tell you, I know several smokers, and none of them have have ever said, oh, well, because they put the picture on there or because they charge extra money, I'm going to quit smoking now. No, they they just laugh at it and say, and then they just hate the government that much more. It, it's an asinine proposal, if you ask me. No, I, I have a question, though. Yeah. If you've paid your tax on your firearm and your ammunition, are you then free to go commit gun violence? Well, you should be. It's like it's like the the carbon offsets, right? If you pay your carbon yep. offset, that may, then you can go out and burn your truck tires. That's a rule. Mm. <laughs> you know, and and I, I I I made a mistake there. I used the term gun violence, and I and I that's really not correct. Violence with firearms is <laughs> right because yeah. really violence is the issue. Doesn't matter what you commit violence with. It's it's an the violence is the issue part. Well, and that's that's so. what I'm getting my having trouble wrapping my head around is these people think that the guns are the problem, and that's what they're saying by doing this. They're saying that they believe that the guns are the problem, and that could not be the farthest thing from the truth. The guns are not the problem; it's the people who are the problem, and mm-hmm. they just people just they they can't seem to wrap their minds around the fact that it's that the gun is an inanimate object and it has no feelings or will of its own. They just don't exactly. get that. They just they see a scary object and think, "Oops, a gun's fault." Well, we had, what, 20 people on the range at a match this weekend? Yeah. And nobody got shot. Not for lack of trying, but uh, you're right. Yeah. No, like, <laughs> the only thing that got shot was, was paper. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyhow, thank you, Jason, for sending that in. And uh, I guess that takes us into our main topic. And as we discussed earlier, we do have Tom and the rest of the, the class that, uh, that participated in the para. Uh, responsive pistol training the, uh, last weekend. So we're going to cut to that and we'll be back um, after after we're done listening to that segment. After these messages, we'll be right back. <laughs> All right, let's jump into our main topic. And this week we're uh, joined by, with by Tom. Hey, everybody. Tom Nelson from... Hey, Tom. Practical Armed Response Academy, the Gun Dudes, the host of Paracast, and a host of students who partook in, what was the name of the official name of what we did, Tom? Uh, Responsive Handgun. Practical, or so Para Responsive, responsive, responsive Handgun. Responsive Handgun. The one we did last year is Practical Handgun. Uh, basis of Practical Handgun is basically in a world without tactics and without mindset. So basically, how we, how we would run the handgun and get the most out of the accuracy and start learning how, how to build speed. Excellent. Responsive handgun deals with uh, kind of the tactics and the tools that you would need in running the gun uh, to defend your life with, and then it deals a whole lot more heavily on the speed side than it did on the accuracy side. The accuracy side, we still touch on that a bit, and we make you pay for it if you're not accurate at the end, but um, it definitely gets there. We start getting into uh, flashlight pictures, um, how to draw, and all the cool stuff, reloading guns one-handed and laying on the ground. And, middle of the evening and all that fun jazz. Awesome. Well, before we get into the meat and potatoes of the course, let's go around the room and a quick introduction and uh, where you're from and so listeners get an idea. If this is the first time or the second time, second class you've taken, it would probably be helpful too. So let's start with this gentleman right here. Jason Gallon. I was on last week's episode as well. I'm from Albert County, New Brunswick. Is this your first time training with Tom? No, it's my second time up here. And always a good time. Learn a lot from him. He's a great instructor to have come up to Canada. 
He's our favorite American. Number one. Bam. Number there you one. go. Well, you didn't win the, the award last week for number one American podcaster, but that that's fine. That's fine. fine. Whatever. Fine. I don't really. I got general <laughs> overall favorite American. You there you go. Both categories. Right. <laughs> three hundred and fifty million of you. Three hundred and fifty million of you. We picked you as our favorite. Damn. I voted for you, despite all these other guys not. Well, I was on the ballot. Yeah. yeah. You guys didn't tell me I was on the ballot. So I didn't want to break ballot. your heart, man. Yeah. All right, let's yeah, go next. Were, you weren't in attendance, though. So all right, now sit down. You're not storming all right, out. All right, I'm going to storm right. out. Okay. Next, we've got... My name's Jay Hines uh, from Sutton, Ontario. First time training with Tom. Uh, had a real good time. Except for your travel companion. Yeah, well. Travel companion is... I still got to get home. Oh, I got you. I got you. <laughs> next, Mr. Conquistador, sir. Yes, Brian Bolivar uh, from Modern Rifleman Radio and Ontario. And this is my first time... Training with Tom. The Tom. The Tom, yes. The Tom. Oh, my name is Sandra, and I have come here with my husband Dave, and it's first time training with Tom. Haven't actually shot in years, but uh, he's very supportive. Tell the folks what you do in your day job. I'm a teacher. Woohoo! Another uh, teacher! Yeah! yeah. Uh, teachers who shoot! Bam! <laughs> this, this is a virtual because I'm not going to get out. Yeah. Are you a teacher work. as well? Uh, well yeah. so I'm like a, a rung lower, but I work in the educational system, yeah. Educational system. So you're a principal. So I'm oh. a principal. Oh, <laughs> rung lower. That's awesome. Uh, I kidnap children for the cartels, actually. I, work at, <laughs> I do work at the school, work, yeah. so to speak. Yeah. <laughs> so, Sandra, is this your first official training class, or have you taken other courses? Well, I took Black Badge years ago, like okay. 25 years ago. And um, well, maybe... Nicolex Lacosis. Ipsic course. Okay. Also, 25 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing recently. Awesome. Sir? Uh, Rick from Ontario. Second time here. Still loving it. Back again next year. Unless he comes to London, then it'll be even awesomer. (laughs) (laughs) After the charity shoot. Um, Yeah. So, a good time ahead by all. Excellent. Uh, Dave from uh, Ottawa. Here to be helped. Uh, first time um, on Tom's course, done a few courses in Canada and the U.S. before, um, shooting for 30 plus years. Excellent. And we have a few students who aren't here. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was uh, Alex and Dean and... Greg. Greg. Mark. Mark. Shout out to Rob, who unfortunately had to, had to pull Absolutely. out the last Rob, minute. We did miss you very much. Yeah. Very much. So, yeah, those, those, some of those are around. They just didn't want to come up and record because they're very tired because Tom worked them hard today. It was only 11 hours. It was only an 11-hour course, so we definitely only... got our money's worth, that's for sure. Yeah. And I did give you guys at least three breaks. You did, you and did. one of them was <laughs> even five minutes long, so that was great. <laughs> I think there was a 20-minute break. Lunch. Uh, yeah. lunch was a walking 25, yep. 25 minutes for lunch. Thir- I don't want to spoil it with 30. No. It's it's just, it's too long. If you can't eat 25 minutes, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> so, okay. So, uh, Tom, touch again and maybe expand upon um, the kinds of drills that we did today, how it kind of builds on the last course. Um, so, the course today is basically once we get through the fundamental portion, which is the same. Uh, we leave the fundamental portion the same in both the responsive level one and the practical level one, uh, mainly because um, it helps you get hits on paper. Everyone should hear, if we actually put them on the 80-yard um, gong, should have been able to hit it. 
Uh, it's the same thing we did last year is we get we, we push for a high standard of accuracy at the beginning so that you have a foundation or basically kind of a safe haven to fall back to you when when things go wrong. Um, obviously we could have done a little bit more and had a shorter day if we skipped on the foundational stuff but it's always going to be there it's always going to be the way it is because it makes it better. Uh, but through practical what we try to do is come at it from a concealed carry uh, point of view. Um, not a cop, not law enforcement, but I have carried a gun for 10 years. And so what we're trying to look at is we want to be able to make quick hits. We do drills that teach you to go from a high compressed ready to try to get a hit at about half a second. Uh, we go through working in the draw. We teach the standard draw without the concealment, and then we go through uh, open vest concealment, whether that be jacket, sport coat, or uh, vest itself. Um, just the shirt, the shirt over the gun concealment. And then we talk a little bit, a bit about the retention stuff. So holsters, and then we're talking about one-handed shooting, one-handed manipulation. We're talking about getting on the ground, uh, different shooting positions on the ground. Uh, target transitions. That's about the funnest part of the whole class, where we're like, smoke them if you got them. Here we go. And then we have the search and assess and scans and stuff like that. Um, that's probably the funnest part of the class is about, what was that today, like six hours in if we got to that part. But it's still great. Uh, at the end of the practical handgun class, we do know your limits. And it's pretty easy. People talked about it. Four bullets, seven yard, 15 yard, 25 yard target. And then as far as we can put the steel out that you guys can make the hit, you miss one of those A zones or that gong, you're done, you lost. But the thing is you can make it up. You can run up and execute the targets, but the guy who's going to win is going to be the guy who can deliver at the end. Uh, responsive handgun, we do find your limits, which is three separate courses of fire, which when you hear the time limits, you think, well, gee whiz, I can make that. Um, the problem is with it, one drill, all your extra whole seconds get converted into points, so people want to go fast to get the points. The second drill, love triangle, uh, you're trying to rack up as many points as possible without hitting a non-threat and losing the points, and then the final drill, uh, three grass trio, um, you got to shoot it freestyle, weak hand, and strong hand, and even the time limits on that one are very generous, but people still have the problems of actually being able to rein it in. Why it's, did you look at me when you said problems? I didn't Why look did at you, I just looked making eye contact throughout the room. So, um, that's pretty much the class. Uh, the class takes a long time. There's stuff I do not like to skip out on. I figured you guys pay for it. You guys pay for the class, you don't pay for my time on the range. So if I'm going to get you a class, I'm going to get you all the class. Sometimes it runs long, uh, like it did today, but um, I don't want anyone to feel like they got gypped. Oh, I don't yeah. think anyone did. No. Not at all. Coming back to um, Know Your Limits versus Find Your Limits, Know Your Limits was awesome. It did one thing for you, it tested one thing, but Find Your Limits was even better. With Know Your Limits, we knew who was in who was out immediately right you either got all your hits yep. or you didn't and then you got all your hits faster than the other guy yep. with know your limits it was like okay how many points am i down how many points is mcclatchy worst dave add dean's coming on pretty <laughs> strong we really didn't know until the third drill was done yeah so it was a competition for the students it's a competition for the students so that keeps the guys the advanced shooters still into it they're not going to sit there and shoot the thing just to pass but also the people who haven't done it before or just kind of are new to the gun, it's still something that they can maintain if they're practicing and doing, trying to make those accurate shots throughout the class. 
not have to worry too much about. So what keeps everybody in it, keeps everybody entertained and in it. The, the thing that's set up, technically if I was going to be an instructor that said if we're going to work slow to fast and then we go fast at the end, we would shoot the uh, super fast at the end of the class. But we, shoot, we, we try to make you go fast and we try to go make you fast with precision and then I tell you this, put on the brakes, you have 20 seconds to fire 10 shots. How many people actually use up to 20 seconds? I, I think uh, I used three I of them. Did. <laughs> <laughs> I did. Yes, Sandra did, and Sandra got her hit. I tried. Hits. I really, you know. But for the people who are amped up, that's it, what happens. It's hard, it's hard to hard dial it back. Turn it off, yeah. it's, hard, it's hard to dial it back, and it's hard to make the shots. It's hard to tell your body, I have this much time, I have this much sight picture, this is what I'm going to do. And I think that's where experience comes in. Like, Dean and Alex are fast. They're excellent shooters. I saw Dean kind of, this is where he fell down a little bit. Like, Dean can shoot accurately. Yeah. But Dean doesn't, I don't think he has enough experience to know that this is where, okay, I need to back it up a little bit. And he would have got all of his hits. He was capable of getting all his hits. But 20 seconds, use it. Yeah. Right? Perfect sight pitcher every time, press, bang. Yeah. Perfect sight pitcher, press, bang. And I think... Uh, it came down to a question of, of experience and knowing how to use that time and knowing how long 20 seconds is. Yeah. Also, I try to get your own mind in the last drill. I try to get yourself in your own head. Um, even shooters who, who compete in competitions where they have generous time amounts tend to get in their own heads and tend to jerk the shots. Even though you may have all the time, the, the idea of holding that sight still and being able to press the trigger is still stressful enough, and especially on the, uh, the non-threat targets, that you're afraid that something bad's going to happen. My Mag 40 qualifier, first string of fire, three yards, yeah. we can, six shots. How much time do we have? Uh, eight seconds. So I'm thinking eight seconds, six shots, we can, three yards. I got all the time in the world. I only got off five. Yeah. So I'd carry that with me the rest of the day, knowing that I couldn't make it up until 15. And that's what you do. I mean, we, we run it. We run the uh, Find Your Limits in two ways. We run it for the people who want to win for the competition. And we want to run it for the Thank people you. who are just trying to... <laughs> the people who want to win the competition, and we run it for the people uh, who are um, trying to get a passing score. And so the people who run it for the competition, just like on the streets, hey, your gun doesn't work? That's not our problem. Yeah, thank the, you. The bullets don't go off, not our problem. You're going to carry that gun on the street, you deem that thing willing, able to save your life, and you put your trust in the weapon. Well, if it doesn't work, yeah, too bad. That, this is when you want to find out the limitations of your gear not on the street. Yeah. How about this? How about we, we go around the room, and we ask each of the students here what they enjoyed uh, most, and maybe what they would change, or what they struggled with, or found the most challenging. Matthew, you want to start us off? Yeah, sure. Um, I I absolutely agree. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> um, what I found most interesting with uh, about the course was learning to shoot from concealment. I mean, I shoot IPSC. I when I step up to the line in an IPSC competition, I don't have nothing touching my gun. Nothing's covering it. I mean, it is open, easy to grab, and to have a shirt over it and then a coat for part of the day. Uh, I had a vest for a while, like like to to. To not just go for the gun, but to have that first movement that you first got to clear the gun. step. And then, not only that, I messed up a couple mag changes because I just went for my mag. Well, you can't covered. just go for your mag. You have to take your hand and move your carbon out of the way and then grab the mag and then put it in and go. So just learning to shoot from concealment, which is, you know, sadly something we can't do here in Canada mm -hmm. yet. 
Um, so, you know, maybe someday we can, but until then, you know, it's just something that we can do on the range, but it was an eye-opener, and it was, it was, uh, I appreciated learning how to do something like that. Well, you can do it, you just have to shoot IDPA. Right, right. Yeah. and yeah. Okay. we'll be doing that tomorrow, so yeah, it'll be yeah. fun. I get more practice. Any challenges or things that you wish you could do over or didn't like? I wish I had remembered I had a whole 20 seconds for those 10 rounds because sure, I would have yeah. I would have won. I'm happy you didn't remember. I'm, ha- I'm, I'm, I'm happy that I didn't remember too because you wouldn't be speaking to me for a week. So I'm, no, I'm glad you won. If I didn't win, I just would have blamed me. Gallon, what'd you like? What did uh, what did you find challenging? Struggle with what was? Uh, he took the words out of my mouth when he said eye opener and. Uh, Part I enjoyed was obviously the instruction. I mean, Tommy's great, and you guys acting as ROs when you come around and give tips. I know Matt gave me quite a few there. That's always good. Uh, but big eye opener. I shoot for work, and it's a smaller company. And like you guys might not believe it, but like I'm easy top two or top three at work. And then I get out on the range with you guys, who are all competitive shooters. I mean, I'm I'm at the bottom of the pile there, shooting against. You fellas, so I like, gotta get, like, I gotta get some practice in. And that's what it is, Jay. Like I, I brought that up last last time you were on the show. Uh, we just do it so much more than you. You have all the skills, as Tommy said. He's shown you some stuff. Now he doesn't want to hear about you taking any more training classes. Although that would be great. He wants to hear that you're dry firing. He wants to hear that you're putting rounds down range. That you're doing some kind of formal structured practice. That's how then. That's how you're going to develop the skills and pick up more more speed and clean up the movements, etc. Yeah, no, it's so. something I, I really got to put some attention to there. Awesome. Any the challenges or hitting the paper? Hitting the paper. <laughs> challenge. Okay. You hit plenty of paper today, Jason. You did very well. I think everyone finds it at the end, especially people who haven't found the match pressure. They find it at the end, and then they they figure out there's a new depth of stress. We start at the fundamentals, and all we're thinking about is pressing the shot. And then we start pulling from the concealment, and we're like, "Oh, I got to think about something else." And then I got to go think about shooting again. And then all of a sudden, it's making the shot, going through the concealment stuff, going all through the process we're asking you to do, keeping the order of the targets that we have to do. And then there's the actual fourth layer of stress of actually trying to compete and not trying to self-destruct out there. So. You, you should be commended. Everyone should be commended because everyone did great. Awesome. We're so awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of awesome, Mr. Hines. Oh, geez. Um, Highlights, challenge. Highlights definitely was uh, to show myself how much I do need to, to start a dry fire regime again and, and get back onto it um, to practice. Uh, just. Uh, the challenges I had today, uh, started out this morning trying to do the fundamentals with the Glock 34. Um, I have a lot of rounds through an M&P, so it was a little bit of a, a direction change. I thought, you know what, what a great time to try out a, try out a new gun. Gun worked great. Mm-hmm. Great time at scary time, right? Yeah, no, it, yeah. yeah exactly. You know, yeah. I, mean, I, mean, I have a little bit of time with it out on the range to, to have an idea where it was uh, where it was hitting and, and, and everything like that. But uh, mm-hmm. no, and then I ended up switching back to the M&P and... Everything worked a lot better. There's a good chance I would have. Well, no, I was. Con- I, I you, don't, you can't I, complain about. <clears throat> yeah. No, I can't complain about the FN, uh, but I was pretty apprehensive about not shooting the Glock. I never trained without a Glock. Yeah, that's you know? the, with me and that trusty old M&P, M&P I yeah. have is yeah, it's been yeah. with me for a long time and been mm-hmm. on my hip through a bunch of matches and, and you know. But like you, um, in the context of a course. 
I figure it's a great time to try something new and then see how it's going to run. And then you, you said, no, it's not happening. So, so you back away from it. You can definitely see it in, in yeah. the way my, uh, some of my groupings and stuff were going that, yeah, this is not up to my, my skill level. Mm-hmm. So whether that means I have to a little bit more dry fire with, with it and then try some matches, mm-hmm. that's probably not out of the realm of possibility either. But uh, we, we, in teaching black badge, Matthew and I, we see people come to the range who only shoot under perfect conditions. They only do the things they like to right. do, yeah. and they've never been pushed, and their equipment has never been pushed, mm-hmm. and we see them fall down, and we see their gear fall down. Well, with that in mind, that's why I brought the FN today, which ran 100% oh, yeah. flawless. That was, yeah, it ran flawless. It was accurate. I shot it well. Um, and of all the polymer guns I bought this winter, the FN was the only one that actually interests me enough to see, is it worth taking to the next level? Right. So pushing it during this class was a way in yeah, no, you know what, that thing, I, yeah. It's a keeper. For sure. Definitely just, a keeper, uh, yeah. You ran that great, that gun, yeah. Very, very, very impressed with that gun. Me too. And cheap. Yeah, yeah. 655, three max. Yeah. Mr. Bowler, same questions. Um, A lot of it was, was the draw and learning how to draw properly. And a bunch of that really happened the night before the class. Because mm. we all roped Tommy into the basement and said, you can't go upstairs <laughs> again until you teach us a bunch of stuff. Yeah. And, and that helped me uh, a lot today because we went through a bunch of reps last night and, and, and Tom really critiqued a bunch of stuff for me. Um, that helped a bunch. I, I've got to, and I, I knew this before, but I've got to get on the range and work on more than one shot at a time. I've got to work on, on multiple hits and transitions. Uh, that's that's one of the things that, that I fall apart on and just tracking the front sights. So. Bill drill. Started doing bill drills. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've, I've got to just get to the range and get some more practice in with the, with the pistol, pushing myself a little more. Mm-hmm. The uh, I think a lot of that stuff, though, too, and I, Tom, I don't know if you'd agree with me, that 90% of that stuff we could do in dry fire. Absolutely. And then that's uh, it's so critical. That's, mm-hmm. You know, you almost forget how critical a dry fire regime and a dry fire practice is in doing it every night. And I think Tom will agree that's the difference between professionals and weekend warriors. They're putting the time in dry firing as well as live fire. Yes, it's just the practice that makes everything better. I mean, literally we had, um, you know, all, all those drills basically, I want the drills so that you guys can actually take home and, and practice them. And they're all drills that you guys can actually do uh, dry fire and not only just do them, but you guys can actually add little things to them, whether it be a turn into like the X drill or to a box drill or it be actually uh, moving while shooting those drills especially the one-handed stuff um people like practicing the things they're good at and sometimes they practice things that they're not good at two-handed but a lot of the guys do suffer from the the weak hand strong hand stuff all of a sudden that introduces a whole new level of oh i was having a little bit of trouble before crap i'm having a whole lot of trouble now and it really kind of separates the difference between the people who say that they kind of prepare for a fight and prepare for a gunfight, and they and they know how to run the gun one-handed, and the people who can actually run the gun one-handed and actually hit one-handed. Um, it's a whole different thing to be able to sit there and try to land all your shots as perfectly as possible. Yeah, when you're taking away half your strength and half your stability. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You need to learn other techniques to compensate for that lack of strength and stability. Yeah. So, uh, good, Ryan. Good. 
I, uh, well, they, they can't hear the nod, Brian. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah I, I covered everything, and I, I'll have some more questions for Tom. Yeah, all right. Um, obviously, what I enjoyed was the Find Your Limits, because I won. Yeah. <laughs> I got my second class target uh, in two years. You, no one challenged me, though, this year. You know I why? Have, uh, I was going to, but I was like, I think I got Trevor. I think I might actually have him. I was like, I want that target. And I know Tom will give it to me, so no. But Trevor beat me. Yeah, there's no one. There was no oh, one ass. back back in the race. Like I was surprised. Brian didn't go. F these guys. Hey Tom, you're in <laughs> and tag me in. But it, it happens. So I I didn't want to see Trevor cry. <laughs> we are staying at his house, and he's been yeah. more than a gracious host for us. So yeah. And Trevor and Matt so, went head to head on I that. That was pretty cut. good. It was entertaining to watch. It was, and uh, it's it's yeah. I get super excited anytime I beat you. <laughs> you beat me every time. I don't like you. It's never easy. Well, I, I don't make it easy <laughs> for <right>. you. <laughs> Nor should you. Um, some of the things that were interesting for me uh, prior to the course: struggling with gear, which holster, which gun, all that stuff. That was a bit of a challenge. I, w- I wanted to run the Glock, but I wasn't satisfied with the holster and the pouches, knowing that we were going into a competition. So, um, what uh, one of the things that was really cool for me was when we shot the different prone positions, I finally found, I mean, I was nailing those shots. Yeah. I finally found a way to get my fat butt stable and comfortable on the ground, except for lying on the mag pouches. That was a little rough. <laughs> But um, yeah, I found that the most stable for me. I don't know why it was. It was weird. I don't know. Maybe it was pushing the curve of my back in the opposite direction, putting me off kilter. But uh, yeah, those were some some neat prone techniques. I've only ever shot prone the old fashioned way, just lying flat on your belly with your arms stuck out. And yeah. so it was really cool. I picked up some some uh, some new techniques there that I appreciate for sure. Yeah. A lot of the gear stuff. I mean, a lot of people shoot USPSA and IPSC, um, but they don't realize the difference from gear that is made. For your comfort and your speed and your benefit and gear that is made to hide the gun, conceal the gun, be on you for hours and hours and just the difference in the ride height and stuff can really be challenging and can really start to be a hindrance, especially guys running uh, retention holsters. So mm-hmm. it's good to actually get out there and practice and hopefully that you guys can actually see I'm not the guy who sits there and just does it with the, the comp gear. That I'm gonna do it. I did most of the class today with an inside the waistband holster yeah, to show yeah, you guys to do sure it. Yeah, for sure you did. Yeah. And what did I use as concealment? Your t-shirt. A t-shirt. Yeah, it was uh, very awesome to watch. It really was. Mm, it made it look easy. Yeah, very easy. <laughs> Sandra, hmm. what did you enjoy? What was the challenge? Well, it seems like everything was a challenge, but <laughs> I had a lot of fun. I had a lot of malfunctions, and I think uh, not gripping the gun properly, not locking my elbows out was the problem. I was pleased that my accuracy wasn't that bad. I only hit a notion Very well. But, uh, and the, everyone was very supportive, especially Tom, so it was nice. Um, well, obviously, practice. And uh, I haven't shot for a little while, so a little bit rusty. I used to be able to shoot better. I did. But, uh, well, it is a perishable skill. It is. Yeah, we yeah. say that almost all the time. I mean, it's shooting a handgun especially, it's the hardest of the three platforms to shoot. And if you don't practice, you, you do lose it. It's not like riding a bike. You, you really need to practice it if you want those skills to stay. The nice thing is it's easy once you've had them, if you do lose them, to get them back, it's not very hard. You just need yeah. to go out and practice a bit, and you find they come back quickly. And that's, that's everyone made the shots, and I was especially pleased because everyone was a known quantity. We knew that everyone was pretty much together, except for Sandra. Sandra was the unknown quantity for me as the instructor come in. <laughs> we go through, we do the fundamentals, and she just nails it. And I'm just like... 
cool beans. We're yeah. on today. It's Giddy on up. Donkey Kong. We're <laughs> yeah. all good. And yeah. it absolutely was fantastic because one of the problems is, is that people step away and the mindset goes away and the safety goes away and they forget how to learn with the gun. And you did an amazing job picking it back up and gaining the accuracy and sticking with it. And it was just, you did great. There's not a lot of people who could sit there and come back from 25 years and this class, I will fail you. I will fail it. And you did not do that. You stuck in it the whole time and you worked there and you did an amazing job. And you said I wasn't even the worst person you've ever taught. I, no. So there's even no. that. That's not exactly how he said it originally. <laughs> no, he did it. He said it Great play on words. He said there are girls that shoot worse than I do. There's I said, girls that... Girls? What about... You shoot guys? just fine. I said who, who do worse than you do. But you yeah. had a, the malfunctions there. But you, yeah. you did an awesome job. You really did. Really I'm pretty safe it. usually because I'm afraid of the gun. I'm really afraid of the gun. My that's what, trigger is usually way out. That's what yeah. we want. It's the people who aren't afraid of the gun and think they know what they're doing with the gun. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah we want you to respect it and control it. Yeah. Absolutely. Rick, welcome back, buddy. Hey, good to be here. And i got to say, you came back with a vengeance. I came back with a vengeance. You put some work in in the past year. You scared the crap out of me on the first day when I saw you on the range. Uh, well. Tink, 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 <laughs> tink. Tink, 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 tink. Ooh, who's this? New gun, new skills. Well, someone said, I'm not sure from what podcast was from you guys or Tom, yours is like, you have to have uh, a marker to set your goal at. And I made you the marker, <laughs> like the person that I want to be. I was the mark. <laughs> right? You know, so you have to have that, that goal, right? And you, you have to aim to be that person and at the limit that they're at. So, now, can I just interject? Yeah. If you listen to the mental training podcast that Brian and I will do, You'll learn that picking a person to beat is not the way you want to set a goal. Oh, then who told me that then? It wasn't I me. probably told you that because it, 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 it was Tom. him. It was Tom and we ripped yeah. him for it. I wanted, <laughs> here's the finger Here, here's the deal. I want an Apollo Creed to chase, right? Yeah. If I fight an Apollo Creed and that's, I ain't in it, then I'm going to get fine. But you need to know what in your toolbox needs to be improved to beat Apollo Creed. I know what Wanting it, to beat me is one thing, but what do you need to do to yeah, improve yeah. that will allow you to beat me? You do need yeah. to practice, but I need someone I need You need to know to what to practice. I need to, I need somebody to motivate me to go do the practice that so the practice that I need to do. Everyone needs to find their motivation. Honestly, if you went through and did a drill today and you're pissed, good. Fantastic. Good. I, well, hope, then I, then I hope no one he, wants to talk to you after you, you screw the pooch. I hope that people look at you and go, ooh, not now, bud. <laughs> not now. <laughs> right? I want that motivation in there. I want you to get up and I want you to practice. I want you to hold it inside. Bottle it up. Bottle it up. <laughs> Let it turn. Let it turn. Let it turn. <laughs> Let it turn. And downstairs in the basement, I want you guys to spend that that fire to burn into you so you look at a stupid wall with a cardboard target on it and listen to a beep for 40 minutes that's the kind of passion and anger i want inside of you right that's what i want that's what i want to turn and turn it into you and i think rick rick we've seen huge improvements from last year you tell me what how many classes have you taken since the last practical handgun class you took a few a few and so well go i cut you off go ahead and get yeah, experience right. for this time i was just saying like last night was awesome we were in the basement we're we're pushing it with the timer, pushing, going, going, go. And then today, for some strange reason, I switch guns and switch holsters. Why? I don't know. You pulled a Tom. <laughs> <laughs> I pulled a Tom, but I, it seemed like more fun to do in space. Concealment with a concealment gun, yeah. Block 19, and why? That was like the third time I've taken them to the range. Do as they say, not as they do, right? It's like never go to uh, anything that you don't know your gear, you don't know your gun, and the ammo, that crappy barn all stuff that I bought. Like... Error, 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 but still, it was a learning process. I enjoyed it. 
And I had fun, so that's all that matters. But And you still shot lights out. Wow. You got after it all day. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyways, it was good. It was fun. Awesome. I didn't beat you, but next year. There's always next year. <laughs> There's always next year. next year. One point, was that? Oh, no. That was just on that second one. No, we tied the second one, didn't we? Yeah, the, the gap happened... Uh, on the third one, was, you, yeah, hit, you hit a couple. Yeah, of yeah. I wasn't even close enough. Mike on the headshot or something. I think I'm I've convinced my sausage head Stockholm syndrome. And <laughs> <laughs> Dave. Okay. Uh, for me, it was good to see the uh, sort of the instructional technique. I, I do some training and always looking for ideas of exercises how to run the range, and I was really impressed with how. He sort of took control early on. I don't think you know, anyone could do such a good job of shutting up a group of podcasters for 10 straight hours <laughs> as he did. So he certainly just, set the tone, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> so that sort of the control of how the class was run, uh, some really good exercises there. Um, just a few little takeaways. I was saying to Sandra as we were driving back afterwards, like that explanation of how you cock your uh, support hand forward and then had people do it with just fingertips pointing forward without cocking their wrist, and then you bring your elbow back to your side and it's effortless. When you properly cock that wrist down and then try and bring your uh, elbow down to your side, if you try it at home, it's actually really difficult to do. There's some biomechanical thing going exactly on. Exactly what it is, yep. Just a brilliant illustration of why we should be doing this that you can do in a classroom. And what I show, that's, that's a little technique. I do it the same thing with holsters and can't. We did it with Brian last night. If we have a severe can on the holster, when we do the same thing, when we go to draw the holster, my hand, my wrist goes in that preload. So all we talked about, trying to have a, the least amount of tension in your body as possible. Well, when I artificially create that tension by going for that gun that's canted forward, it automatically is going to slow me down. Um, just the little things. I mean, it's just I'm just trying to throw like nickels and dime matches that make you faster. And you know, if you pile it up, you got 65%. You know, 65 cents. It's 65 cents faster. 65% faster than you're going to be. So for sure, every little bit helps in situations like that, especially in competition yeah. or anything. In terms of lessons learned, uh, don't load up 1,200 days, 1,200 rounds the day before you jump in the car (laughs) to drive to New Brunswick. It might be a good idea to chamber check them, make sure they're actually primers and all of them. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing about the practice, I basically haven't practiced for a year, know what to do, but it's like if you're weightlifting, you can have the best technique in the world. But if you don't actually train, well, you might be okay with the guys around your block. Mm-hmm. But when you show up against real competition that has been training, knowing what to do is not enough. Unless you've practiced to hone those skills, develop the competencies, but, you know, you can hit the targets. You're just going to be slower than you would if you actually were putting the effort in. It's like big fish, little pond. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, and I think that goes to 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 Alan's point about how he shoots really well against the guys at his work, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. that doesn't you're you're comparing yourself to a limited subset of people who aren't necessarily very good. Yeah. So, 
and and that's I think where where Trevor and I get concerned about the idea of of trying to match somebody else's performance. Maybe you need to go beyond what other people yeah. well, are, are capable of doing. If that, you're matching that person's performance and they've actually been training hard, yes. their performance is going to be beyond where it was mm -hmm. the last time you've I've used seen, them. I've seen <laughs> situations where somebody goes to a match and said, "Today I'm going to beat Harold." Well, I beat Harold and I ended up fourth. <laughs> no, because yeah. I forgot about all the other guys or all the other things, right? Yeah, when 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 you pick your Apollo Creed, make sure that he's the he's the champ, the, the Apollo Creed you're looking yeah, for. Yeah, the Apollo Creed you want in this game you is Max Michelle or yeah. Jerry Mikulik. You want to find that look of that guy in the New Brunswick area? Well, you just keep taking the provincial champ. You take that state champ over and over again. You go after the guy, not the guy who's done it once, not the guy who's like second in the club or whatever, but the guy who's consistently winning. Top dog. Yeah. Take the guy who, who, who knows how to win and then follow his path and practice harder than he does and then you're going to know how to win too. And then you're going to have a target on, a, on your back. Um, I, I, I feel the pressure just as much as you guys because if I go out in there and I demo a drill, any drill that you guys want, mm -hmm. you guys can have me demo. That's I'm right. going to do it. I have to do it. I have to prove to you guys I can do it so that you guys have some level of comp, uh, comp, uh, confidence in me. Um, and that's the, so I feel that pressure. I feel the pressure of you guys. And then I start to feel, I have to feel the pressure of Matt and Trevor that are going to try to beat me. I'm not in the, the, the find your limits. Doesn't matter. I still got to yeah. go in there and shoot it, right? Mm -hmm. You guys want to know what happened. You guys want to know what I can do. Mm -hmm. So no matter what, whether the instructor or the student, you have to keep that proficiency, that high skill level, because uh, not only to make yourself feel better, but to actually make your students feel better. I mean, you got to talk to talk. You have yeah. to walk to walk. For, does it for a, does it make you feel better about what you do, seeing what I can do? Right, it's the same stuff I'm doing. I just I've just been at it a little bit longer than you guys. Awesome. Any other final thoughts or questions for Tom before we let him go and wrap this up? I I just would like to thank Tom for all his help and everything like that. Like and and. Uh, get me my arson to gear to get back practicing and, and get shooting again. That, uh, thank you very much, Tom. You're, you're welcome, Jay. Actually, I think a correction. You haven't been doing it longer. You've been doing more of it in the period of time you've been doing it. <laughs> you don't look that old. That's what he means. Yeah. Like, yeah. What he's trying to say is Tom's not the oldest guy in the room. There's a difference between overall elapsed time and the amount of time you're putting into training. Yeah. yeah. Right. I started pistol shooting 33 years ago. Um, Tom, Tom didn't. How, yeah. 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 <laughs> I'm guessing. I was. I was. Uh, yeah. Three. I don't think I was. No. Uh, 32 years ago, I wasn't. Uh, 33 years ago, I wasn't born. There you go. Oh, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, me now. too. <laughs> yeah. So it's the actual effort you're putting in, the hours of yeah. the dry fire rather than the total yeah. how many years ago you began. It's not osmosis. You don't get better do, doing this through osmosis. I mean, you want to watch all the YouTube videos. You want to you know, look at Instructor Zero for nine hours a day. Go right ahead. <laughs> it ain't going to get you there, kids. No. It has well, to be the most recent years, too. Yes. Doing a lot of training and not just, yeah, mm. add it up. Yeah. Well, once again, Tom, on behalf of Slimefire Radio and all the students, thank you so much for coming all the way to Canada again. And I think I speak for everyone when I say looking forward to next year, buddy. All right. Well, thank you very much. It was a pleasure. You guys were an awesome class. Uh, probably one of the best classes I've ever had. You guys do an amazing job. And uh, it's, just, it's just very awesome to come up here and do this. And uh, 
especially uh, thanks to Trevor and Matthew and the Slamfire guys bringing me up, but also especially thanks to Trevor for putting us up in his home, yeah. giving us a place that we could sit here, you know, talk to each other, work this stuff up in a sweaty basement where we can spend three hours listening to a beep and uh, mm. and looking at a wall together. So thank you very much. But thank we still you. had fun. <laughs> we did. Thanks. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess it's on to listener feedback. I guess so. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. It's still us. We're still here. Um, I'm still. I'm just remembering the uh, how how warm that room got by the time we got finished with that main topic segment. It was yeah, it was hot, and we had the air conditioner off because it was creating background noise. And I'm sorry for the audio quality yet again. It, we were just in the middle of a room with uh, Mike in the middle of the room, and we all just kind of yelled into it. That that's all we could do. I'm sorry, <laughs> but at least you got to hear it. And it was hot. At least you didn't have to feel it. Yes. We had, what, a dozen people anyway crammed into that little bedroom? Yep. Yeah, it was awkward. Awkwardly hot and sweaty. But all we were doing was recording an audio That's podcast. It. You were <laughs> there listening. That's all wondered. we did. Yeah. yeah. Nothing else. So, okay, so emails. Yeah. Okay, I'll go with the first one. Yeah, why don't you bring us this first one from George? Yeah, some guy named George. Um, I think he's got a podcast. I'm. I don't really know what the name of it is. Doesn't really matter. Yeah, it's not important. Uh, no, completely unimportant. <laughs> uh, he says, "Hello, gentlemen." He doesn't know that you and I are on this. Yeah, he's thinking he he's be... talking to Owen and Trevor. Yeah. But yeah, Bolivar's on he's this week, George. Wait a minute, Trevor, a gentleman. Yeah, mm. it's a stretch. <laughs> okay. Anyway, he says. John Fitzgerald has graciously donated a ticket to the sold-out first-ever Maple Seed. New Shooter Canada is holding a contest to win that ticket. Okay, so before you keep going, what's a Maple Seed? Okay, a Maple Seed is a Canadian version of an Apple Seed. So basically, it is a rifle training clinic for the weekend, plus history about the American Revolution. Now, I'm curious now I wonder if the Canadian one's going to be about the Canadian Revolution. Oh, wait. We didn't have a Canadian Revolution. Well, we did, actually. Well, not as cool as the American one. No. No, it didn't go well for the rebels. No, it certainly didn't. Now, maybe they'll talk about the uh, War of 1812, or maybe the Fenian Raids. I, I don't know. All kinds of... It could be interesting. I'd love to hear about happened. some stuff like that. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's hard, yeah, it's hard to say. Anyway, they are holding a contest. The contest is to shoot at a maple leaf target, which are, which uh, the listeners can find on the New Shooter Canada Facebook page. Just search New Shooter Canada, and they pay, pop right up. Uh, the target and the rules are posted on the Facebook page, and by the time you read this, uh, George will have shamelessly posted the uh, targets to the Slamfire page as well. <laughs> uh, so feel free to share the post and get the word out. Now, uh, something George forgot to include in this is the targets have to be submitted by july 18th oh that's soon that's like 10 days from now PM. yeah so if you're interested in getting a free ticket to the bancroft apple seed get out and shoot some maple leaf targets cool and he, he signs that off with uh neutral to canada i don't know what you're talking about no that uh, open no, carry I, I, I can't read that Ohio. part no nothing's there no <laughs> now interesting side note the canadian uzi um is currently on its way to george um, uh, the, the listener that sent it to me, Tom Bryant, he, uh, I saw him talking with George on, on the Facebook page, uh, when I posted the video and he said something along the lines of get Matthew to send this to you when he's done with it and you can try it out too. And so I 
checked with him to make sure that's what he really meant. And he's like, yeah, 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 cool. Send it to George. So George, the, the Canadian Uzi, the BRS-99 is on its way to you. So I expect pictures and video review from you as well. What what annoys me is that I didn't think to take it home with me because Tom actually had initially talked to me about getting the gun, Ooh. and I suggested that you would be better because you do the cool videos about it. Well, the, what you can do is when George is done with it, he can mail it to you, and then you can uh, shoot it, and then you can it, mail it to Tom. It would have worked much better for me to get it and then send it to George, and then George can pay the shipping to get that, it. Out that's with. yeah, yeah. See, see, this is why I'm happy that that George got it because I only had to pay shipping to Ontario. He's going to have to pay the shipping to BC. It's probably about the same. <laughs> it really is. Probably. Yeah. But it's funnier yeah. my way. No. no yeah, it really not this is. time. Uh-huh. Not this time. Right. No. Um, Owen, do, do you want to talk, do we, do we talk about the gun at all? About I guess the BRS-99? Yeah we, yeah, we have. We've talked about it on the show. Okay, and, uh, and there is a video review of it if you want to check it out. I was supposed to do that before I came on the show and I didn't. Yeah. YouTube.com slash M-M-A-T-T. Yeah. That's where you can find it. Cool. Shameless shout out to my YouTube channel. I like um, it. Owen, oh, you want to bring us this next email from Mark? Oh, you couldn't hear what I was saying because I had my mute. My, yeah, mute, see, mic the, muted. The, the funny thing is, I could hear something because you're just in the, ex, the next yeah. room and I could hear you <laughs> laughing and talking and trying to say something, but it wasn't coming through the headset. So I'm snickering to myself, going, He didn't unmute his mic. <laughs> <laughs> so, did you have something to add to that, Owen? Um, just, I was going to say the, the, the video was really funny. I, <laughs> I had fun with it. <clears throat> it was, was it, normally my Tom videos, was, a, was a hoot. Who? Tom. Tom was hilarious. Tom's, <laughs> yeah, Tom Nelson from the Gun Dudes joined me in the video. So yeah. that was a, a neat little cameo appearance as well. But uh, it was a lot of fun. It, it, was a, it was an off-the-cuff sort of video. Normally my videos are very well researched, very well put together. I do voiceovers and get, you know, I, I have a list of shots and i got to edit it all together. This, I just took the, the camera out and stood in front of it and started yammering. Whatever came out, came out. <laughs> did you talk about the overly huge grip on it? I did, yes. Yep. Okay. Because yep. the grip is overly huge. It's big. Did I mention the grip is big? Big grips. Very big. Oh, also, I beat Trevor in the IDPA match. <laughs> really? Mention that. I find that interesting. By eleven seconds. <laughs> this next I'm not going to mention how, how much uh, Tom beat us. He beat us by twenty seconds, but I'm not going to oh. mention that. Just oh, the yeah. other way. Yeah. No. Fair enough. Uh, okay. Owen from right. Mark. From Mark. Saw this article and what a bummer. Stories like this reinforce my decision to not pay for cable TV. They broadcast a bunch of garbage, but rarely televise anything I am interested in. Cable-free going on five years now, and I don't miss it. Uh, And then he has a link here to, um, I believe this was Candid in the Rough going off, being pulled. I believe you're correct, yes. Uh, Amelan paraphrased the global TV rationale. Hunting is politically incorrect, and the network no longer had the courage to continue televising this Canadian outdoor outdoor heritage activity so programs that show hunting as a conservation and subsistence practice practice which are the things hunting ultimately boils down to cannot be shown even in a country where people travel from all over the world to hunt why because political correctness dictates it i hate political correctness Uh, with a passion really enjoy your podcast hearing about the firearms law in Canada, as well as some of your self-defense cases and the high river incidents, gives me a different perspective to view the changes being pushed here in the United States by the anti-gun crowd. Keep up the good work. Mark in Ohio. Oh, I know somebody who opened carried in Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be George. <laughs> uh, 
You're too nice to George. I like George. George is cool. You need to be more mean to George. No way. I don't have a mean bone in my body unless Trevor's on the show with us. Or not on the show with us. Or not on the show with us. I like Trevor, too. It's just fun to make fun of him. And I beat him in an IDPA match. Um, So, so yeah, that was an interesting article, Mark. And uh, thank you for sending that in. Um, it always sucks whenever we lose something like that. You know, whenever, I mean, it, that was a great TV show too. I liked watching it and, oh, it's, it's, it's politically incorrect to show people doing something that's perfectly legal. I hate that. Why would they do that? It just drives me nuts. I wish they would stop it. I so agree. This, this next email comes to us from Sean and this is the RAPS monthly report. And if you don't remember what RAPS is, you're not alone because I forget too. It's like <laughs> Regina Action Pistol, Pistol Shooting, shooting or, or something, something. Yeah. like that. Re- Regina Area Practical Shooting. I think that's what it is. Okay. Something like that. Anyway, it's out in Regina. And this is from Sean. And this is the, the, the report that, the, that they sent out. So it was interesting to read. So I thought I'd share it here. He says, the monthly IPSC match held June 20th. Tony won with Cliff a close second, great turnout, and that uh, to all of you who came out, including our new Black Badge members. So it's great that some Black Badge members are out participating in IPSC. Uh, the second item that they uh, are talking about here, the Saskatchewan Service Rifle Shoot in Saskatoon. Our very own Wes Stevens went up to Saskatoon and performed extremely well, winning the World War II division. So that's really cool. Congratulations, Wes. Um, also, the Saskatoon Star Phoenix did a little story featuring Wes, so that's really, really cool. It's, it's always nice whenever we get mainstream media um, portraying gun owners in a positive light for a change. Uh, June 13th was the IDPA monthly match. They have an IDPA out there, too. Did I mention I, won, I beat Trevor in the IDPA <laughs> match last weekend? I don't know if I mentioned that yet. Uh, Ten shooters showed up. It would have been 11 if I went, and I would have beat Trevor if he showed up, too. Um, Sean H. had the lowest time and won SSP, which is stock service pistol. Adnan won enhanced service pistol, and Peter won uh, revolver. So it was a really good match consisting of six stages in around 100 rounds. There was also an IDPA safety officer certification course with four new safety officers passing and will be taking on greater responsibilities within the matches. Great to see new blood joining the ranks. Looking forward to the monthly IDPA match on July 11th at the Raps Range. We have another six stages planned, and registration can be found in the Facebook page. Um, Sask, uh, Sask Tactical IDPA is the Facebook page, it looks like. We are starting to attract shooters from Saskatoon area in IDPA. Also, two of our new SOs have taken on organizing the stages and administering the scoring for the 11th. So that's really cool. Um, it's really nice to see new blood, like he says there, getting involved with, uh, with action shooting. we gotta, we got to keep new people getting involved with it in order to keep it strong and keep it alive. Uh, a reminder that the second Saturday of every month will be an IDPA match. We encourage all pistol enthusiasts to come out and see what we are about. Um, that's a, that, that's a, a, an interesting thing that Tom was mentioning. There's no official like safety course that you have to take before you shoot IDPA. Like in IPSC, you have to have your black badge. In IDPA, all you need is a gun that falls into one of the, the three divisions, um, a holster that covers a trigger guard, three magazines, and a mag pouch. That's oh, all you need. Hold on. And, and, and cover. But don't forget that he shoots IDPA in the States. There is also no course in the States for IPSC. Oh, okay. So I wonder if there is one in Canada. I would, I would expect there would be because we, um, 
We thrive on having permission to do anything before we do stuff. <laughs> unless true. it's unless it's a recent thing, there is not. Oh, okay. Because I, I know I, a couple guys in southern Ontario who shoot IDPA have for years. Um, and back when I was just getting into pistols, they said, hey, if sometime up in Ontario, you should come to a match. They said, all you need is we just run you through a quick little informal holster course and off you go. Yeah, so, okay. and yeah, like I, they, I, they were the very first time they went just to watch a match, and they ended up shooting it. Nice that day. They went to look, check it out and see how it was, and and it's kind of a funny story actually. I can tell it if you want, but yes, I, I would like do. you to tell the story. So I don't think he'll mind me. His his name is Jeff, and him and his his uh, brother is it, no, it's not his brother in law. It is now. For the sake the, of no, the story. anyway, a buddy of his. So <laughs> these two guys, they're both ministers, and so they go and they, but they both shoot. So they. They went to just to check out this IDPA thing, see what it's about. Well, the people said, "Oh, it's a lot of fun," and "Oh, yeah, you guys should shoot it." You, you know, we'll loan you guns. Well, next thing you know, they turn around, they're, they're all strapped up in belts and, you know, holsters, and they're all set. And Jeff, n- not even thinking about it, has like a Blackwater hat on. <laughs> so he gets up, and the, and the you know the door open. You have to go through it and shoot. You know, anyway, you, you do the whole whole thing. He shoots it, perfect score. Nice. He comes back out the other side. And they're the RO or some guy standing there with his arms crossed goes, so uh, how long since you've been with Blackwater? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, what are you talking about? Huh? He's like, I see your hat. How long since you've been with Blackwater? He's like, I'm a Presbyterian minister. <laughs> the guy's like, yeah, right. <laughs> That's <Nice>. funny. <laughs> um, Owen, where do, where do your friends um, shoot IDPA in southern Ontario? I'm not 100% sure where they where that was. I mean, this this was probably – Five six years ago, when you know when they told me that when you know when they were getting into it, I don't even know if they still do it. So I'm not 100 okay. percent sure where they where they were shooting. Okay, yeah, because I'm I'm researching where I can get involved. So. Yeah. yeah, I, I wish could, there was a, a club around here that did IDPA. Maybe uh, maybe Woodstock wants to start AO, and then I can come down more possibly. often. and Shoot some what IDPA. About, what about your club, Matt? My club does not want to do anything. Fair enough. I, I understand. Can't, I can't get them to. Uh, it's terrible. They're over in the Woodstock or Woodstock, Ontario area, so, cool. so I don't know if that might be too far for you, Brian. That's too far for me, that's for sure. Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I can certainly ask them for you if you want. That'd be great. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. yeah. Um, so anyway, Sean finishes off his email here saying, big shout out to the guys at Slamfire Radio, Trevor, Matthew, and Owen, for giving us time to showcase our events on the air. Be sure to check them out. So it's nice to see that uh, in their monthly report, they're plugging us here at Slamfire. So thank you very much, Sean. And uh, congrats again, Wes, and, uh, you know, thank you for sending in your reports and, and let us know what other events you have coming up. We love to share them. So, um, Owen, I guess it you, you mm-hmm. comes back to you, doesn't it? You get to sure. read this last one from Sharp97. Who says, hey, guys, what's new? Just kidding. You're, gonna tell, uh, you're going to tell me when you tell all of us what you guys did in guns. <laughs> and <Here's>, did we. <laughs> here's my question. You guys from time to time talk about having a trunk gun. I was wondering where you would take it and what you would say if you were stopped by a cop and it came up. Uh, is it a rural hunting thing? Hope all is well. P.S. I hope to get my wife a rifle for her birthday and was wondering what you guys think. Uh, Citadel M1 Carbine Semi-Automatic. Car what? Long, 22 Long Rifle. Car what? Shut up. Or <laughs> Ruger 10-22 Long Rifle uh, Pink Blue Laminate or a... Uh, Rug K10, okay, Ruger K1022, pink, stainless steel barrel laminate. I'm not really sure what all those numbers are, but 
looks like a couple 1022s. There's a couple different uh, models there. I'm not sure if the last two are the same, but there's a forty dollars difference. <laughs> They're not the same then. As for the previous advice, I still have to. You know, they might be though. They <laughs> yeah. might actually be exactly the same. Yeah. <laughs> one's true. pink, one's blue. Forty bucks yeah. more for the pink one. <clears throat> Looks like one is a stainless steel barrel. Yeah, that's going to be the that's going to be the difference in price. Yeah. Stainless steel is more expensive than blued steel. That's right. Um, as for the previous advice, I still have to convince my wife to let me get a handgun. So hopefully, there will be a divorce of my future. Nice. So uh, trunk guns. Yeah, well, first of all, let's talk about his is what what we think about. We I have no idea. I don't know what a Citadel M1 carbine is, and I do know what a Ruger 1022 is. Um, get her the one that she wants. It would be my best advice. That fits I, her. Let yeah, her I try them out. Um, I think I've done some reading on the 22 caliber M1 carbines, and I think the reliability is a bit sketchy. Right. You, you kind of can't go wrong with a 1022. It's well, a, you can. Yeah. <laughs> depending on what you yeah. want it for that's right um mm-hmm. and if if she wants a pink slash blue or you know pink and stainless steel laminate stock um you know you're gonna have to get her a ruger 1022 um i would i would i mean there's other options but that is a, a good choice they are very reliable i hear that their accuracy is increasing they're, they've done better things with their barrels from what i've heard um they are good guns and they are very uh, customizable and configurable which means that you can find a stock that will fit your wife i'm sure so i would i would not i wouldn't recommend against the 1022 i think there are better but for what you're using it for i don't i don't know if there is a better rifle for it for this situation so that's what i'd recommend i think i'd recommend that over the citadel just simply because i know the 1022 has a, a reputation for good reliable feeding mm-hmm. so yep. Yeah, the um, only yeah. difference the only difference I can see between those two rifles you named is the, is the barrel. Yeah, did some research on them. Yeah, is the barrel one is stainless and one is not, and you don't need stainless if you're not taking it out in the woods uh, when it's raining and stuff. No, nope. you don't need stainless. That being said, if your wife prefers <laughs> the stainless one because it looks better and it's shiny, get her the stainless one. Well, absolutely, yeah. and and only get her the pink one if she wants the pink one. Mm-hmm. Don't get it for her just because she's a girl. Like, my if, wife, if she might, she made yeah, and she hates pink. Oh, yeah, mine too. She refuses to wear pink earmuffs or anything like that. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, only get her pink if she really wants it. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, uh, Edith had a uh, purple, purple laminate stock 1022, um, and Jewel shot it last weekend during the the apple seed, the little mini apple seed that Sticks put on for us, and she loved it. I'm sure I'm going to have to get her one now. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, 1022s and, and uh, well, pretty 1022s and women seem to go along quite nicely. So I don't think you can go wrong that way, Sharp. Um, and, yeah, I, like I Owen's, think, sorry. Matt, yeah, I don't think you should get her one until she gets her firearms license. Well, yeah, that's a, that's an option too. Now, <laughs> I, I do say that in the, you know, because you're the one who's going to pay for it. If that's a mistake, you're the one who's going to pay for it, not me. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. You know. <laughs> I'm fine with I'm fine with getting you in trouble with Jewel. Oh uh, yes, you would be. Uh, <laughs> like Owen was saying, as for the trunk gun, um, my personal experience with my trunk gun—it's actually a truck gun because my truck doesn't have a trunk, so it just stays in the back seat. Um, where do I take it? I take it everywhere. I, my the, my rifle is in the truck everywhere I go. Um, it's a non-restricted firearm, which means all it needs to be is unloaded. And as per hunting regulations, it needs to be cased during sunset, between sunset and sunrise. So I just keep it in the case all the time. Um, but yeah, I take it everywhere. And there's no, in New Brunswick anyway, no legalities that I need to worry about because 
uh, I carry a 22 with me, or or uh, 223. Um, so I, I fall within my caliber restrictions. Um, I have a hunting license for this time of year, and everywhere in New Brunswick that I am, uh, I can legally hunt unless I'm inside of town limits. So there's 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 that. So as long as you're following all of the laws, you need to follow federal laws, of course, then you need to follow your provincial laws, then you need to follow your municipal laws. As long as you're following all of the, the layer, layers of law, you can carry your firearm with you wherever you like. Just make sure that, you you know, and, and like like you say here, what would you do if you're stopped by a police? And it came, well, I, nothing. There's nothing that they can do, and there's nothing that I'm going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to volunteer that I have it, and if they see it, they're going to ask, what's it for? I said, well, in case I need to shoot something. <laughs> what if I see something and it needs to be shot? <laughs> so yeah. yeah, well, and and that's true. And and the, the police don't have uh, don't have the right to uh, to search your vehicle without cause, I believe. That's right. Unless unless they have just you know unless they have probable cause that you've committed a crime or they see something that they believe is is illegal, they have no reason to search my vehicle. So they're never going to find it unless I volunteer that it's there anyway. So. Mm-hmm. And if for whatever reason they are searching my vehicle, I've I've got bigger fish to to worry about than <laughs> than a non restricted firearm that's completely legal in the back of my truck. So, mm-hmm. you know, I I would I I highly recommend carrying a truck or a trunk gun ev- everywhere you go because really you don't know when you're going to need a gun. It doesn't take up any space, well, very little space. And as long as it's legal, why wouldn't you carry one around with you? I should mention that I'm not a lawyer, and that, uh, <laughs> everything you hear on Slamfire Radio is for entertainment purposes only. So do what you will. Harm no one. <laughs> nope, that's all I agree good. With that. <clears throat> good. Good stuff there. Yep. If you would uh, like to email the show, send an email to slamfireradio at gmail.com. Uh, Matt, do we have any iTunes reviews for this I week? I don't know. I'm going to pull that open right now and find out. But why don't you move on to some okay. shout-outs and uh, see if we can eat up some time. I'm going to make this sentence really <laughs> long. While iTunes, mm. Ryan, do you have any shout-outs to anybody? And, uh, <laughs> um, I, let's see. This is my third podcast this week. I forget who I shouted out and who I haven't shouted out. Um, I'll, you know what? I'll just shout out the uh, everyone who I was at the class and the mini match with. It was great to catch up with some old friends, uh, make some new ones, and uh, it was a great time with with Tom. I was pretty impressed. I said, on, "Our show hasn't come out yet," but I said, "Tom impressed me uh, running the line." He uh, he's very no nonsense down to business. Um, definitely not, won't stand beside Trevor because Trevor and I have this thing where we yeah anyway Trevor and I shouldn't be side by each at a class. We should <laughs> we should have some separation so that we don't get ourselves in trouble. So uh, yeah, I actually went and stood uh, intentionally away from. Um people who I, well, I, I stood beside Jason Gallen and he's, he's a cool guy. Um, and, and oddly I, I thought maybe we would get in trouble chatting, but Jason was very professional and very focused on listening to Tom and he never chatted with me and I never chatted with him. Like I intentionally did not stand next to you and Trevor and anybody else who I thought I might be tempted to talk with just simply because I didn't want to get in trouble. Yes. Um, yeah. And I wish I had done that. Because um, <laughs> Tom yelled at me a couple times, but it was all deserved, and it was it was cool. He wasn't he wasn't a jerk about it. It was it was it was great. So uh, no problems there. Um, I I've, I really forgot that he's ten years younger than me. Um, the, yeah. just the and he, people who listen to Gun Dudes, Tom is kind of a goofy guy, but when he's on the range, that that all goes away. He's all business. So he's mm-hmm. he's good that way. 
Yep, he really is. Uh, he ran the line really well. He kept everybody in line and uh, very safe. There was no, I, I never felt unsafe and uh, I never felt anybody else was being unsafe because Tom simply wouldn't let them. Agreed. So, yeah. I don't have any shout outs. No? Hmm. Well, I'd like to shout out Trevor just because I, did I mention I beat him in the IDPA match? I just wanted to say congratulations on third place. <laughs> just that's all I wanted to say. So. Um, I've just checked iTunes and on the Canadian feed we have no new reviews and I will check quickly the American feed if we have enough time because Owen will say something here interesting that the listeners will want to listen to while right. I look I will the check out feed. the Crusader Podcast Network at crusaderpodcast.com join any or all of our National Firearms Associations check us out on Gun Owners of Canada like us on Facebook and there's we still don't have time, so we're going to end the show, and if there's any iTunes reviews, we'll just deal with it next week. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that works then. So anyway, Brian, I do want to say thank you very much for joining us this week. It was nice of you to step in and uh, take Trevor's spot. Hey, anytime I can help throw Trevor under the bus, I am <laughs> up for that. Absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah, thanks again for that, and... Um, yeah, I, I guess I guess that's the show. Thank you, everyone, for listening, and uh, I guess we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. See you, folks. So if you have any comments or questions for the show, please send an email to slamfireradio at gmail.com. Now go grab a gun and shoot something. When the talking is over, it's time to get a gun. Make sure you're protective if you're down there. Yeah, let's get like five seconds of as dead silence as we can get, and then uh, Trevor, you just kick us off. I can't help it. Shut up, Tom. (laughs) (laughs) Tom Nelson sucks. Oh, no. (laughs) I know, Tom, listener feedback, not podcast feedback. That's not how that works. Thanks, everybody. He's a bozo. What a bozo. (laughs) What's the scoop, Mash? She said, beat it, bozo. <laughs> no, she didn't. I never thought I'd be saying this, but it's pretty steamy in terms of Yeah. 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 <laughs> I get that a lot, Dave. Oh, I get that a lot. I get that a lot. That's an outtake, by the way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>